Welcome to Becoming Referrable, the podcast that helps you become the kind of advisor people can't help talking about. I'm Julie Littlechild, and today Steve and I are joined by Tim Welsh. Tim is the CEO and founder of Nexus Strategy, and that is a firm that provides consulting and strategic marketing advice and guidance to a range of firms across the wealth management industry. Uh, He supports a number of different types of individuals and institutions, but today I really wanted to tap into Tim's thinking on how digital strategy will impact client experience and the client journey. He's got some amazing insights in that area. So we talked to Tim about how client expectations are changing and how they're being changed by behemoths like Amazon. And then we'll get very granular on how these changes impact the processes within your business, things like your onboarding process. Tim will share some thoughts on how firms are using technology particularly well and where there's some room for improvement. Now, Tim's insights are really great because he has held so many different roles and worked with so many different types of firms. And I think that gives him an incredibly unique perspective. So I know you'll get a lot out of this discussion. And with that, let's get straight to the conversation with Tim. Hey, Tim, welcome to the Becoming Referrable podcast. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Thanks, uh, Julie, for having me. Look forward to our conversation today. Yeah, it's great to have you, Tim. And and you too, Steve. Good to see you. um, You know, we have an opportunity to talk at different things, so it's great to just have a focused conversation on some of the cool work that you've been doing. But, uh, And I want to dig into, there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about today, but do you mind just starting with a quick introduction to the work that you're doing uh, these days? Yeah, thanks so much. Yes, yeah, so Nexus Strategy is a consulting firm I founded, if you can believe it or not, about 14 years ago. 14 years? Wow. Yeah, so that's like a, a, a thousand in dog years, I think. So very <laughs> Well, you look good. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> so it's a consulting firm that really is focused on the ecosystem that surrounds advisors. Uh, we work with a lot of the vendors who create great product services, technology to help advisors uh, run a better business and, you know, meet their clients' Um, needs through a variety of different platforms, products, and services. So it's really uh, focused uh, consulting around those aspects. As part of that, we get involved in a lot of different areas. Uh, Most likely, uh, you'll see us in the technology arena. I have a dozen clients there, as well as some of the larger custodians, wealth management platforms, TAMPs, uh, and um, associations. So it's been a a great journey. Before that, I was at Schwab on the RA Custody business, and before that, I was at Merrill. So both sides of the street, plus a consulting chapter of my career. So it's been a fantastic journey and I'm very excited to be here today. Yeah, well, you've seen it from all sides, that's for sure, which is gives you a really interesting perspective. So um, one of the things that I'm really excited to talk about it because uh, we're going to focus a bit on client experience and client journey, but the way in which technology comes into that. And I, I don't, often we talk about those two things almost as completely separate areas. So I love the idea of talking about them together. Um, one of the things that I saw you uh, quoted on was uh, in regards to Amazon or firms like Amazon and the client experience and the expectations that they're creating. How do you see all of that impacting our industry? Uh, well, I, I love that example of Amazon because if you can remember before they were around, if you wanted a book, you had to, you know, drive to the uh, bookstore, you know, find a spot to park your car at the mall, 
hopefully they had it in stock and then you got it, you had to stand in line and then somebody's writing a check and it just could take you, you know, like a, an afternoon to get a book for your vacation coming up. And then of course they changed all that with their focus on instant gratification. So you can literally be on the beach in Tahiti at two in the afternoon and hit your iPad, click on Amazon, have your book downloaded in about 45 seconds. Uh, what a dramatic difference that is. So in wealth management, you know, I think we're still <clears throat> in the old bookstore world where people are writing checks and filling out paperwork. So that client experience is not so great, yet we're all being trained now by these internet giants to really want that experience, you know, to have that ability to get it now on any device. So I think, you know, as we think about the digital journey of someone who's looking to work with an advisor, where does it start? Where does that end? How do you, can you make it um, uh, enjoyable? Because uh, again, the bar has been raised. And I think that's why I love that example of Amazon or Google or any of those uh, Netflix, you know, they really innovated focusing on that client experience. So I think that's the opportunity for advisors uh, today. Well, if we, Tim, if we can dig into that a little bit, the, you know, the, um, I, I can hear the objections from advisors coming and saying, um, you know, look, people are just not going to respond to click on this and you'll get your financial advice. So do you mean the, 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 the dispensing of the advice or are you talking about other aspects of the experience that should be more like an Amazon or a Netflix? Well, I think that's a great point. Yeah. People still want to have that in-depth conversation with a human advisor. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's really, how is that delivered? You know, where are the touch points? Um, is that in-office uh, experience fantastic? Is it over video? Uh, then ultimately, okay, how do I get going? Oh, I got to sign up with you. Oh, that sounds like a lot of work. Uh, you're going to send me a phone book of papers to sign, and I'm going to have to fill out forms. Um, and it's just very difficult to get started. So I think that's really where the technology can help, you know, sort of intersect and intercept that onboarding process as one example of that, getting started. And then ongoing, you know, if I want to call my advisor at three in the morning because, you know, I just read an article about the coronavirus and the markets are crashing, you know, what am I going to do? Holy smokes, you know, let me see that. If I can't get a hold of that or I can't see my information, then I have even more angst than if I have to wait till, you know, Tuesday because Monday is a holiday, nine to five business hours to find out. Uh, that is not the greatest experience. So it's, it really spans the gamut. And we can talk about that client journey in a second as well. But the really the process of interacting with your financial advice provider uh, in the manner that you want. Uh, and again, it's not always going to be in person. Uh, so I think the digital um, uh, transformation of every industry is really happening right now, live and well in wealth management. So you know, of course, advice is going to come in many flavors and different uh, delivery mechanisms, but ultimately, how am I going to interact with you as a business, interact with you as my advisor? Well, I think it also, it's easy to go down and, and ignore some of these firms because we think, well, we do something different. We don't sell books. And yet, when you think about it, Amazon or Netflix, it's not just about the experience. The fact is they know who I am, they know my habits, and they personalize what they deliver. That's a fundamental shift in my mind. Now, in the case of Netflix, because I share an account with my son, they think I want to watch Marvel movies and such. But, you know, so they can get it wrong every now and then. But, but don't you see that? I mean, that to me does impact. That's something we need to think about, I think, in this industry. Yeah, and I think that the term that everyone's sort of landing on is called hyper-personalization or personalization at scale. Yeah. Uh, advisors are great because they have 100 clients and they know everyone really well and they can pretty much anticipate their needs. But as you grow and scale, that becomes more challenging. And that's really where the technology can hopefully step in and help you able to do that uh, through client portals and through 
um, other uh, data processing systems around, um, you know, the CRM and so forth. So those are all great concerns. And um, yeah, maybe we're not there yet. And, but at the same time, you know, there are other apps on the phone that um, investors are using and they're getting more accustomed to that. So I think that's really where our, uh, the opportunity lies for advisors is to really up their game along those ways. And, and of course, you know, I love the idea of, of this personalization, uh, the ability to really drill it down because you have that great data. If you're an advisor, if you've done a financial plan, you know just about everything about your client. And then how can you then translate that into recommendations exactly. and the next step, you know, that really becomes sort of maybe that next bridge that we all need to cross. Yeah. You know, so Tim, in, in, your, in the research you've done with advisors, um, there are a few areas where those kinds of effects come out, you know, things like branding and advocacy, and you mentioned onboarding and, you know, what, what, what are some of the areas that you see as the biggest opportunities? Uh, well, I think if you, let's go there to the client journey. I know Julie, this is a near and dear to your heart. And you guys <laughs> it have is indeed. Amazing work. I, we just can't help ourselves going there, but I know. you know, if you think about it just from the technology um, uh, stack, I think people love to say the word tech stack, but for most advisors, it's more of a tech pile um, and how they have to really <laughs> navigate that. Uh, you know, the journey starts when someone ref uh, refers you. Uh, this is the referable podcast. Um, or they found you or they introduced you. Somehow they're going to Google your name. That's what we all do. And that's where it starts. You know, what pops up? Is it your Twitter feed or your LinkedIn feed or your website? Okay, great, fantastic. They at least have some background on you. They click on it and then boom, they land on your website. And this is really where the process breaks down because most advisors' websites are still from the, the early 2000s. They haven't updated them. They just don't have the ability to then understand the journey of the prospects as they land on your website and what they want to do. One, they're going to probably look at your, your profile on the About tab. They're going to look, oh, sounds like somebody interesting, engaging. My friend referred them to me. Okay, great. Now then how do I contact you? you know, is it easy? Do I have to click around? Or what can I learn about you? Is there any videos I can watch? You know, is there any sort of um, aspect on your website that makes it interactive? Is there a calculator that I can type in to get like a basic general understanding of where I am? And then I can do the call to action to then contact you. So that's step one is really in the prospect journey. Step two is great. Okay, they contact you. Then what happens? Do you have them fill out a form? Do you, again, make them uh, fill out paperwork or whatever? What is that? Is it elegant? Can you do it on an iPad with your finger while you sit next to them to get started? That's really where it's all going, and I think that's the opportunity for technology. So that's step one. I think it's really just engaging after they've found you. What does that look like? Is it simple, easy? Um, is it hard to do? Uh, do you put roadblocks in my way to get started? Uh, then, of course, let's open the account. Okay. Well, well yeah, hang on. Before you even get there, Tim, yeah. you know, just let, let's talk about that for a minute. Just getting – getting because you, you mentioned Amazon and, and the, the – um, uh, the culture of immediacy, you know, the instant gratification. If, if, if someone, if, if someone reads your website and, and it's good enough that they get interested and they want to talk to you and you know, the best you can do is fill out this form. And at some point, somebody in our office, I think will get back to you. And that that's, that's one of those contact points, right? Where you can have the immediacy because now we have things like Calendly and schedule once and you know, where people can just go in and schedule the appointments and now I know I'm going to, I'm going to go meet that person, right? Are there other opportunities like that at that stage in the client journey? Yeah, those apps are fantastic. And I think that's a great trend advisors are taking advantage to make it one click easy to get started, to really, um, you know, open those conversations uh, with the prospect and the advisor. Cause again, you know, these are complete strangers, you know, they may have heard a little bit about you. So the, the more you can remove some of that unknown from that process, I think the more, 
valuable those interactions will be. Again, back to our overall um, concept here of the client experience and the client journey, getting to that point. Uh, and, and then from there, it really just becomes the uh, onboarding process. You know, do you have one? Is it consistent? Is it different for every client? It depends on how they come in. I mean, have, being able to get scale in this business, you really need to be able to have a process mapped out and then use technology to automate as much of that as possible through digital signatures and document management systems. And uh, also, you know, your client portal can be a very powerful tool to be able to, you know, start, um, you know, archiving documents, having the ability to showcase on a timeline, you know, who you're talking to, who your service team is, uh, really makes that uh, process much more personal. Uh, again, at scale, and that's what we're all trying to get to is personalization at scale. You, it seems like there's a couple of um, things that advisors can think about as well. So one, just sort of you already mentioned this, like what are the phases of the client journey and then really tackling each one of those separately. One of the questions that is associated with journey mapping that I always like is to ask yourself, what's the client thinking, feeling, and doing at this stage? Like truly put yourselves in the mind of the client. So even when it comes to websites, like you mentioned, Tim, you, you come there and like, why are you coming there for the first time? It may not to be to read about the history of the firm. It might be to understand, you know, do I need an advisor? Or what, you know, so really trying to think through what are they seeing and what's really on their mind is it's, it's complex, but, but I think that messaging do you think comes in almost as much as the whole process does? Uh, I would totally agree. And, you know, does uh, any advisor on the website have a, a process map, like say, okay, when you work with us, here's what happens. Here's the five steps really informing the prospect and what to expect. And then they know, and then if there are delays or if there's, you know, other aspects, you know, they, at least they are, are understanding in terms of what the process is. And that's just, you know, in the bucket of over communicating, I think, you know, I think we all tend to say, well, that's just too much. But I think, you know, the, particularly in those early stages, cause that's make or break, you know, they have every, intention of working with you and following through, but then that's really where it can slip through your fingers if you have some form of a, you know, a friction uh, aspects to it, making it hard to do business with you. Um, so I think you're right. If you put yourself in the prospect's shoes, I think advisors would do a lot of things differently. It's just that you, we just don't think about that. You know, as advisors, you already have a million other things to think about, but if you really took the time, uh, again, I think back to our tech stack in terms of mapping it to the customer journey, I think advisor would do a lot of things differently if they looked at it in that framework in terms of a technology strategy uh, going forward. Mm -hmm. Well, you talk about friction, which I think is an interesting way to look at like how we can, and we had this example of using Calendly or something to book a meeting. In fact, it was, it, we've used that for a while. It was on a recent podcast that I was like, oh my goodness, that's so true. Like the number of times we send out an email to say, if you'd like to book a meeting, email, we, we've already created friction right? Just right there. We just created friction. So can you just thinking about, you know, the firms that you've talked to who are, who are doing things well, Tim, can you think of some, maybe it's related to onboarding things that they're doing that is fundamentally changing that experience? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, one is sort of, again, back to the core document management, you know, again, these are all forms we have to fill out, uh, being able to get the data to the right place. So you can open the accounts and you can get the right information to complete the financial plan. You know, there's some great workflow tools uh, that exist either in the CRM uh, or in the document management system that can use a form filling process 
the Dexy Drive workflows, automated, you know, reach out, very similar to when you want to get a ticket on United Airlines, you just log in the website, you know, and think about what you're doing. You're filling into a form, but at the back end, it's checking inventory of seats to bring it back to you. You put in your credit card, it's checking to see if it's valid, brings it back to you. Um, and then the confirmation, all that stuff is happening in real time. That is a workflow that's automated. And that technology is available today for advisors and from a number of providers. Uh, so that using that to automate that new account opening process, then onboarding process, again, to your point, takes that friction away because it's really simply automatically checking inventory, checking availability, checking if things are complete so you don't have to keep going back and forth and it just delays the time to get started. And that's you know, one on the client experience side, but also on the advisor profitability side, the sooner you onboard that client, the sooner you can start billing on those assets. And that friction slows down your revenue opportunities as well. So that I think is a great area where people can attack. So the one thing they can do from this podcast today is to think about how can I automate any of that as part of that process uh, that will pay back itself in many, many ways. Yeah. How, how does how is it a, does an advisor go out and, and start finding what the opportunities are? Like how, how would an advisor start identify what parts of their process they could automate and what options might be open to them? Well, my first answer is always hire very expensive consultants. Like <laughs> I mean, that's that goes obvious, unsaid. Yeah, but, right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but in, if you can't find one, um, you, you know, I, I think, you know, there's great firms like, like Laserfish and, um, you know, Salesforce and CRMs and Redtail. They have these tools built in. I think and most advisors probably already own these systems. That's sort of the, the, the reality is that you actually have, you already have this software in your, in your business. You just haven't looked at it or thought about it or, or tried to adopt it. Um, so I think step one is look internal to what you already have. And you probably have a lot of these components to get started with. But, but the other you know, aspect and a great quote that I always refer back to, you know, before you touch the software, be sure to map out your processes in excruciating detail. You know, nobody wants to do that. I mean, that sounds like a fun project on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> Not really. But, you know, just through, you know, swim lanes and sticky notes, you can sit your team down and in a few hours say, okay, what happens? Step by step by step and map that out. And, and then you, once you know that process, you can be consistent. Then you can attach the software to it and start to automate it and make it easy and integrate it going forward. But I think people just, it's like me, I get the remote control and I start pointing buttons and I still don't know what the thing does and I still have problems with it because we don't want to take that time to learn it first. So I know that's not a fun piece of advice, but actually, yeah, that is a core aspect. And the best firms that we've talked to, that's exactly what they did. They said, we had one ginormous pile of stuff and we had no idea what to do with it all. And what we did was break it down into this very simple process steps that had to add value, like a compliance review or a new account opening or um, an onboarding or any little, and just start with one simple um, point. And once you've done that one, then you can move on to the other ones. Because mm -hmm. um, otherwise it's overwhelming, it's intimidating, and we just say business as usual, and we end up with one ginormous pile of stuff. I think that's an important point, though, because it, it, you can, and you get better at it, and it becomes easier. Um, sometimes we like to think of it as if you identify, if you started with a laundry list of every, you know, function in the business, then you could also ask yourself, you know, where do we think we deliver 
an incredible experience today or versus there's opportunity to improve? And then which of these would have the most significant impact on the client experience or client engagement? And if you can find those where it has the biggest impact and you have the most room to improve, maybe that's the place to start uh, because there's perhaps it would have the biggest impact on the, on the business. But um, yeah, I'm a big fan of picking one and just, just digging in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for many advisors, you know, who are not in growth mode, you know, we talk to them and they say, well, you know, we open five accounts a year and one, I kind right. of scratch my head. So that's not very good, <laughs> but okay. maybe they don't need to automate that process. If you're yeah. only doing it five times a year, maybe the manual workaround is okay. And yeah, yeah the client experience will suffer a little bit, but you're probably not that worried about it because you only do it five times a year. Right. But for most firms who are actually in growth mode, you know, that is really where they can make, uh, move the needle. And I, I think you're absolutely right. Where's our biggest value and bang for the buck? And maybe it's ongoing servicing as well. You know, having that client portal out there so clients can check in on their financial situation. Uh, they can get updates. They can access their documents. They can have a mobile app on their phone. You know, that's really the convenience factor and the speed of response to questions, which is kind of code for service. And as you know, if you got, if you service a client tremendously well, that does lead to them being advocates for you and offering referrals. Um, you know, uh, Megan Carpenter, a good friend of mine at Ficom, she says marketing is not referrals. Referrals come from client service. So if you want to exceed and do well at referrals, that's where that comes from. Marketing is going out and finding people who don't know you yet and getting them into your sphere of influence. So I think most advisors think, well, what most of our source of new business is referrals, and that's why we're talking today. Uh, but marketing is something else and differently. So if you really want to drive that referral, it's that service, making all those touch points digital, exceeding expectations. Uh, and that, that's really your, in your world, in your sweet spot, and you know all that really very well. And then you've got great stats to back that up. But I think if you think of that mindset, you would invest, I think, differently in your technology to be able to really, you know, make it easy to do business, make it easy to get information, uh, make it 24-7, put it on any device they have. And that capability exists today. You know, the Black Diamond Client Portal does all of this and more as one example. Uh, same thing with other portals like eMoney or MoneyGuide Pro. And again, most advisors already have these software platforms. I think they just need to really force adoption. I know clients don't always want to get your email and their password and it's more work for you. But it's if you can have like a concierge onboarding service uh, somehow to help have your clients get into the nitty gritty details. Okay, here's the where you log in, here's your password, here's your username, here's where you see this, and really give them a tutorial hands-on. That'll pay for itself um, over and over again because one, they won't call you back. You know, you'll save time on service mm -hmm. because they'll be able to self-service. And most people do want to self-service. You know, they don't want to bother their advisor with a, a minor request that did this thing go through or not. Uh, they just want to look and see themselves. Yeah. That I think is a big opportunity. Well, especially especially with Gen X and Gen Y clients, the the baby boomers, I still I think still often will want a phone call, but the Gen X would much rather do it themselves if you if you can do it. I'll, I'll throw in something that's close to Julie and my heart, uh, which which is also as you're contemplating the client journey, involve them in the process too, uh, bring them into it. You know, when what when we ask about things like client portals and automation and those kinds of things in advisory boards, we, we sometimes get surprising answers then. And, and if the, if the advisor is just trying to think it through them through the process themselves, they don't know that stuff. There was one advisory board I remembered where they were asking about the portal and usage and they were all excited because they were, you know, they were getting good engagement. They were getting, getting good usage. 
what turns out everybody around the table was saying, oh, I got hung up, but then I just called Barb in your office and she took care of it. So they had this one poor frazzled Barb sitting there who was taking all those client calls. They weren't as automated as they thought. I mean, they eventually got people there, but knowing that ahead of time could have enabled them to improve that journey. And so, you know, like you're saying, you know, having that concierge, having uh, training as a part of the implementation process, those kinds of things are all, you know, really critical to working out what that journey is going to actually look like. I totally agree. Yep. Um, and we want to be automated to the nth degree, but ultimately, yeah, you need that out for somebody, the barbs of the world to be able to do that. But that doesn't have to be, you know, um, a senior advisor level. I mean, that's sort of where you can try to right. hopefully right. delegate that down to uh, more of a junior person who can, that's their job is to, you know, be the client service excellence manager or whatever it is. And that's solving for those uh, login problems and those, um, you know, access points that uh, may or may not be intuitive to us, but to other people, it's like a deep, dark black hole. And they're like, Oh my God, I can't fall into this. But I think it's imperative on advisors. If they want scale, if they want to grow, they have to do that. They have to be able to really leverage their platform and their systems and their people uh, in any way possible to be able to continue to grow. Uh, and, and I think that's sort of the hiccups. And Mark Tiburgeon always says the number one enemy of advisors is capacity. You know, mm -hmm. there's demand for your service, but if you can't bring it on and do it well, you'll always be stuck. And it doesn't, if it doesn't scale, same kind of issue. You really need to have um, the benefits of technology and really embrace it and run with it. And I think once they do that, they get examples, get some wins on the board, it becomes much more of an intuitive process. I think this you know, you're using the term concierge service or training. I think that's a really important one to underscore because too often I, I wonder if what we do is just say, okay, I've got the technology in place, then nobody uses it. So we say, well, clearly they don't want it, right? So it's like we create this self-perpetuating thing, whereas we've got to think about what, you know, what, how is the client experiencing this? How would they view it? Where are they going to stumble? And yeah, so the idea of saying, look, before we do anything, so-and-so in the office is, is going to take you through this and guide you through the process. I think that would, that's like really powerful. Um, otherwise assumptions about our own assumptions about technology start to take hold, right? Nobody wants that. Uh, yeah, totally agree. Yeah. And that, that's a, sort of, like I said, at concierge level, you know, invest uh, an hour yeah. in the onboarding process with the, the client and they'll never come back for more. And you've leveraged your time uh, tremendously. It's just that, People say, oh, another hour? Oh, my God, who's going to do that? Who wants to do that? Can't they just figure it out themselves? we got other things to do. Uh, it is, it's a mindset. You have to take a step back and really handhold the client in the first part of the relationship, uh, and it pays off in so many different ways. So I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of referred to this, but let me ask it in case we, there's anything that we missed about the connection between all of this and referrals. So you mentioned that, you know, when you're delivering great experience, great service, that people will refer. Is there, is there anything else that you think in, in that connects to referrals from what we're talking about? Uh, absolutely. You know, the, uh, the whole idea of making the technology uh, simple and easy to use and delighting the client along their journey, not only when they get started with you, but also ongoing um, and helping them get access to all their information when they want it uh, at the time they need it. Um, that is all part and parcel to, again, creating that advocacy for the client that they say, you know what, I love working with my advisor because my old one, I could never get in to see them. Uh, they never talked to me. Uh, it was all those pain points that we know are the, 
sort of the bane of existence of, of advisors and clients that they can't get what they want. Um, if you can smooth that out, that really becomes the opportunity to um, uh, showcase. I mean, if you've got the mobile app on their phone and then the client's uh, actually engaging with it and someone on the airplane next to you kind of peers over their shoulders and say, hey, what's that? You know, that's my advisor. Like, oh my gosh, that sounds so cool. I, we don't have that. So all those things are great opportunities to, again, you know, not necessarily go into the ask for the referral mode, but just delight the client so that they do think of you uh, in a different way than the typical financial services provider. Yeah, yeah. And do you think the biggest roadblocks for advisors are, is it, you know, some view that I've got a great relationship, therefore I don't need to think about these things? Is it fear? Is it just not knowing that, you know, is it a different world? What do you think gets in the way? Well, I think you mentioned already, it's assumptions. You know, you're assuming the client is happy. You're assuming the client uh, enjoys coming to your office, you know, every other month to, to do something. Uh, but the reality is that, um, you know, they're seeing other parts of their lives being automated through technology uh, and are delighted by it. Again, we've talked about the Amazons, Netflixes of the world. Uh, and they're like, why does it have to be so hard? You know, why do I have to come in to see you? You know, when the advisors are, again, we've been in a great bull run, 12 years of a bull market until uh, this week, uh, that the markets have dipped dramatically, that no one has really been able to get too excited about um, changing what they do. Um, and so I think now the, the call to action really is to go back, look at your process, what are your touch points, map that out, and then be able to point to the areas where technology can actually make that a better experience. Um, that, that seems to be the opportunity. You know, again, mm -hmm. client experience to me is sort of code for a digital touch point. Again, we've been trained for this by the Amazons of the world or any other app on our phone, uh, and advisors are just not there yet. So that's sort of the call to action. And again, the fantastic news is the tools are there. I mean, this is right. not, we don't have to wait for Santa Claus to come and bring us the, a big a bag of goodies. You already <laughs> probably have these tools. You just need to use them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, go ahead. No, go ahead. You, you can. Uh, no, it's just you, what I was thinking about as you were talking about assumption is that part of the problem is that we ask the wrong questions. So if you were to say to your clients, for example, you know, how do you find, how do you like our in-person reviews? They would say, well, they're great, right? But the real question you need to ask is, how would you feel if we could deliver the same quality of reviews, but you didn't need to leave your office or home, for example, right? So we only ask half the question. And so we, we walk away with these assumptions. Or would you like to access all your accounts via a client portal? Eh, no. But what if you could access the information you needed 24? You know, it's... I'm convinced this is what drives people in the wrong direction is we, we just, we ask the questions that give us the answers we want to hear. Exactly right. Yeah. In self introspection is always hard. And I think you're right. Rephrasing the question in terms of the client's uh, needs and objectives. Uh, it's always all about us. And that makes Obviously. sense. That's how we've been trained. <laughs> Uh, but the, the service leaders, the service giants, they, they do exactly what you just said. They really think through what is the really, what are we really getting at? You know, what's the whole point of this meeting? Uh, are we just relaying information back and forth? Are we developing a relationship or is there another way for this to be done? Because delivery mechanisms have changed and there's so many other access points we have available that uh, I think you're right. Reframing the questions would go a long, long way. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, Tim, it's uh, this is there's been a lot of really good stuff in this conversation. Unfortunately, we're coming up on time. But if people wanted to find out more about what you and and what you do, uh, where would they look? Uh, well, if you're on the website, and it's nexus-strategy.com. That's where we live. On Twitter, uh, love social media, love uh, tweeting about stuff, and we will tweet about this podcast, of course. It's um at. You do. Nexus. You're an excellent tweeter. <laughs> Well, that is on my resume, yeah. Because it's real. That's what the thing is. You know, it's like a real conversation. Yeah, so it's at Nexus Strategy. Uh, Post a lot of different content, links to stuff. Um, And it really is the opportunity, I think, for advisors. I know advisors are sort of hesitant sometimes to put themselves out there, but it's a great platform because you can publish your own stuff. So that's the, the media part. But there's also the social part, which is, okay, well, you're a professional. What else about you that people want to work with? With you, what are your interests? That's fair game to share. So, um, yeah, those would be probably the two best spots uh, to learn more. Um, we're also probably at every single conference out there. So, um, come find me in the exhibit hall. That's where I hang out. <laughs> well, that sounds thank great. You. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks. Hey, folks. Steve again. Thanks for joining us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really helps. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. So until next time, so long.